0: Today is May 3rd, 2020. Welcome to the Generic Board Game Podcast. All the board gaming content you could possibly want at a fraction of the price. I'm your American host, Philip Millman.
1: And I'm your European host, Victor Gannon, or Vic from NaveCon, or Vic if you're a friend of mine. So, (laughs) Philip, or call me Mr. Gannon if you will. Um, (laughs) Exactly. How are you this evening? We have something special again.
0: We do, we do. We have a special guest. Uh, He is the designer and producer of one of my top two games from 2019. little game, or it's not a little game, a big game called City of the Big Shoulders. Mm. It is a 18xx-ish type game Mm -hmm. uh, that I happen to enjoy, and, and I enjoyed it so much I went out and bought one of these uh, post-production inserts so that I could put all the bits in there without having to find them. We have with us Raymond Chandler III, who I like to call RC3. How does that work for you, Raymond?
2: Yeah, uh, I just go with Ray. <laughs> like, all right, we'll go with Ray. Ray so much easier. <laughs> I feel
1: like a. Ray, you're very welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you're,
0: you're very welcome to our our little piece of the internet. And as we said earlier, of all the really prestigious board game podcasts that you could have gone on, we're glad you avoided all of them and came to ours. So we, we're, we're very grateful for that.
1: Yeah. Of all the podcasts in all the world, you could have walked into. You walked into ours. Yeah. Oh no.
0: What do I do there now? You go. Yeah
1: instantly (laughs) by the way i like this guy because he's got a battlestar galactica the new series obviously uh background on his zoom so look we're we're just automatically like bonded yeah on that yeah on and side, you anyway. both are
0: computer professionals so uh that should also bind Where, you guys from so my
1: like. part i'm employed in in it uh i'm not sure if i'm professional but uh look <laughs> you know, i talk to talk <laughs> uh, I, I don't have a beard um so like i don't know how i got this far but um maybe it's you know your big beard.
2: your yeah. tech skills in the in in the it world grow with your beard so the yeah, bigger the beard yeah. that you have, the bigger your tech skills get. Yeah. If you're a guy, if you're a girl, obviously that doesn't apply. You could be excellent <laughs> and you don't need to grow
1: a beard. You've never if worked you're in dude, some of the companies I've worked in. <laughs> you, you, you absolutely need the beard.
0: There, there you go. So, uh, Ray, why don't you give our listeners just a, a quick background of yourself? Uh, I mean, you are known in the board gaming world for the city of the big shoulders, but why don't you give a little bit of a more of a personal background, who you are, and sort of how you came into gaming.
2: Sure. So um, I, uh, you know, I live in Columbus, Ohio. I uh, work in my day job at the moment as a software developer. I've been doing uh, software development for like 15 years, something like that. Um, and uh, and in my spare time, I play board games. I actually went to um, the college for video game design and development. And then around that same time, there was this whole uh, something called the EA spouse letter. So there's a lot of you know, crunch and all kinds of nastiness going on in the game industry. Um, you know, people dealing with harassment, things like that. So I, uh, I said, well, I really don't want to do that. And I went and uh, and uh, went to go work for the Air Force a little bit. Did modeling, simulations, programming, which, from a tech side, is exactly like video game development, but it's not, you know, video games. Um, but uh, when I was in uh, when I was in college, because um, I went to Full Sail in Orlando. Um, one of my teachers was Dave Arneson, uh, who taught a oh, course. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, he taught a course called Rules of the Game, and um, and it was you know one of those things where you knew like you were going to be meeting legend, um, you know, your first month at the school. You're like, oh, Dave Arneson teaches you know tabletop game design. That's awesome. And you know, I grew up on like your classic games, Monopoly, Scrabble, that kind of stuff. But when I was in college. You know, Dave introduced me to Catan and Power Grid, and um, I think Puerto Rico came out not long after. And, um, and, you know, just had a blast. And I was like, ah, that's what I want to do. That's really what I want to do. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll become this famous game designer and I'll, I'll make all this kind of money. And then I realized, like, uh, you know, they call it a hobby for a reason, <laughs> right? Like, there's not a lot of money in it, it's just passion. So I was like, well, I guess I'll go code. Um, and then maybe I'll design some games in my spare time. So you know, I've been designing games off and on for a long time now, and just recently have enough of a backlog to actually go out and try to publish them and try to publish other people's games. So that's that's uh, that's kind of who I am, and you know where I come from, and and what I'm all about.
0: Wow, Dave Aronson. I mean, I'm a huge D and D fan, and I've played it back when it was just the pamphlets, and I and I got to meet. Dave and, and Gary Gygax um, many years ago at a Gen Con when it was still in Wisconsin. So oh, that's, nice. Yeah. So, but and that was actually I, the last Gen Con ever I went to.
2: I, I would have loved to have uh, to met Gary. I never got a chance to meet Gary. Um, but, like, uh, Dave was an excellent teacher. I think, you know, when I was in school, he had suffered a stroke a few years before. Hmm. And so he, um, you know, I mean, he was all there, but he was very uh, monotone. And I like to joke, I said, you know, you'd go to Dave's class and and he would put you to sleep. You'd fall asleep. And by the time he, that you woke up, you knew how to design game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that That's awesome. So what game captured you initially? I mean, what was the, the game that he showed you that really said, you know what? This isn't like Monopoly or other, you know, roll dice and move. I mean, I, I, I had to right into
2: it. Um the big ones um that was uh oh and there's a really good story here actually. So the big ones were I mean Catan, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um uh also he showed us uh Nuclear War. So which is wow which is a if you're not familiar with it, it's a spinner game and it's this very sort of cutthroat, take that, um just fun, crazy light game that was um uh done by I think Rick Loomis flying Buffalo. Which is interesting, and this is like the full circle thing, right? So I went to college, I studied under Dave Arneson, he showed me Nuclear War by Rick Loomis, and this past um, uh, Gamma, Gamma Trade Show in Reno, I met his sister, Laura, and Laura said, hey, I have this, uh, she wanted to initiate a trade, she says, hey, I really like your game, I have this book by Dave Arneson, Um, would you be interested in that? And we just got to talk and, you know, talk back and forth, and I said, yeah, it's like, oh you've got a book from Dave and he goes, yeah. And I, and I said, Oh, well, um, yeah, I'm interested. You know, let's do a trade. She goes, Oh, by the way, Dave made it out to my brother, Rick Loomis. And, and it's not only Dave's um, design, it's Dave Arneson's Blackmore, but it's Dave Arneson's Blackmore that he redesigned and released while I was studying under him at Full sale in college. So it's one of these, like, you know, the universe puts you in the right place at the right time and you meet the right people who influence you or, you know, we're part of that community long before. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm really happy that I got to meet Laura and I got to share those moments with her. And, you know, we, I have that book now that Dave Arneson's Blackmore sitting, you know, pristinely in my, in my collector's case, you know, and it's got, you know, to Rick Loomis, um, you know, your friend, Dave, and in it, and it's just—it's a brilliant. Makes me tear up thinking about it because I
0: love, I love
2: gaming, and I love gaming history. You know.
0: No, I was—I was, I was going to say, no. Rick Loomis was an interesting guy. I met him on several occasions, and he was just—and I even got to be in one adventure what he DM'd, and it was just. Not only was it brilliant, but it was it, it, the sense of humor that Rick Loomis had was just right. amazing, and and just the way he would cut across all sorts of different themes in a uh medieval fantasy setting was just brilliant so i'm i am that's a great book that's awesome go ahead Rick.
1: yeah no i was going to ask just as you mentioned games there what do you play yourself do you have a regular games night i I always ask people this
2: yeah so i uh these days i'm mostly playing um you know heavier stuff um i haven't been playing lately because you know pandemic sure. and and whatnot it's hard to get people yeah, together that, that,
1: that will affect things yeah um
2: <laughs> I would say, uh, most lately it's been, you know, Lisboa and, um, really like Lisboa. Uh, Maracaibo just blew me away. I love Maracaibo. It's so good. Um, Age of Steam, the reprint for Age of Steam. I've been playing those maps. Um, and I play a lot of eight xx Um, but I play everything. I play Light. I play Werewolf. I play Dungeons and Dragons. I play, um... Do you play diplomacy? I do not play diplomacy no. because <laughs> I like I'm putting this
0: now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you just lost Vic. Yeah, Vic great. is all about diplomacy. The uh, there's, a, yeah. uh, there's one reason why Vic and I have never actually met face-to-face and we still remain play- friends is because we have not played diplomacy together. <laughs> right
1: so uh you said lisboa i keep telling them you can trust me yeah yeah
0: yeah we can trust you uh you said lisboa i guess what are your your top top three games that aren't parallel games brands
2: oh man right now i would have to say oh top three games like of all time or just like of all time right now or like however you want to answer it we don't care (sighs)
1: Wow. Just answer the question, Raven. <laughs> oh man. Okay.
2: So, so number one um, always will be because it was maybe my first heavyish game that I was really into, and I still love playing it. Is Lahav oh, by very nice. Ula Rosenberg. Um, I, I just I love that game. Uh, Lisboa is probably up there, and then I would say most recently, um, I, I'm going to say for 2019 PAX Premier Second Edition, which just Blew me away, blew everybody away. It is so good. Cole just knocked it out of the park with that game.
0: And remember when I started, I said that yours was one of two games that were my favorite of 2019. <laughs>
2: right. The other one was PAX Premier. Pack's
0: Premier 2.0. It's, uh, it's, I mean, Cole's it's, a great guy. <laughs> Cole's a great guy. One day, maybe we'll be lucky enough for him to interview with us. But he, he's amazing.
2: I, I'm sure he'd love to come on, man. Like he's he's all about this stuff. Like he loves he loves talking with
0: people. So. Yeah, well, there's this restraining order about this little incident with the trophy. I really can't go no, into no. it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I so so funny story about that, right? So, like, um really early on when we were, like had the prototype, we, we sent out like a really just god awful looking prototype uh, to Edward Uller at Heavy Cardboard, and he dug it, and he came at Jen he sat down, and he's like, hey, you know, I, I would love to, you know. Uh, to to help you promote this game and it's a really great game and how can you get it out there And i said oh yeah let's let's do stuff and i really appreciate it he's been really good to us as a as a media personality but he at origins last year i met with him and i said hey do you still like the game do you think the game he goes yeah i think i think it could be our golden elephant award winner um it's either that or pax Premier second edition and i went oh what's PAX Premier 2nd Edition? He goes, oh, you don't know what PAX Premier 2nd Edition is? I said, no. He said, okay, you need to go over and talk to to Cole and 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 check out this game. And I said, okay. And so, you know, the moment um, I could, I checked it out and I ordered it and I sat down and I played it and immediately after I was done playing it, I went, shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting the award, man. It is so good. Like, it is so good. I, I just gush about that. I can't get enough of it,
0: and, and between the art and the history and everything else, and it's just such like a perfect blend. And Cole is so easy to, you know, talk to, and so yeah, it, it was just it's it's a great game, um, and that's a good game. What so so? What's the story behind the City of the Big Shoulders? I assume you're from Chicago.
2: I am not. I've I think I've been to Chicago once to visit the Fields Museum. <laughs> like I, so I um I. Uh, I'm a big fan of American poetry and mm. one of my all-time favorite poems is Chicago by Carl Sander. And it's one of those poems that um, I occasionally go back and I read just because I love it. And I think part of the reason I love it so much is because it's written in sort of a slam poetry style before slam poetry was the thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's very um, preachy and it's very get on your soapbox, and tell a story. And, and what the story of that poem is about is it's about rebirth. It's about revival. It's about the power of, um, you know, American ingenuity and the power of, of, of um, you know, it, the power of hard work and the power of grit and perseverance. And as an entrepreneur, that really speaks to me because being an entrepreneur is all about grit perseverance. Right. And and at the same time, you know, Chicago at the time was this sort of bastion of capitalism, but it was balanced with this sense of like the value of human life and the value of the worker. And for me, from a just, I don't want to get too political, but for me, I feel like that's been lost. Like we as, we as a society in America have become divided. You know, you are either a progressive liberal or you're an ultra conservative Trump supporter and there's no room for the in-between. And the thing is we're all Americans and we've kind of forgotten that. Like we've kind of forgotten, like, you know, there, there is some value in conservatism and there's some value in progressivism and there's some value in capitalism and there's some value in, in providing good, strong social welfare programs. And there needs to be a balance. And when we argue and we divide each other, Right? We don't grow and there's no balance. And so, um, you know, in all of the other issues aside, that general tenet of like, you know, coming together and trying to build something, trying to treat each other with respect is something that existed in Chicago. It existed in a lot of parts of America at that time. There's a lot of other really nasty things about Chicago at that time, like, you know, um, like unions came about. And uh, and the union, there was a there was a bombing in Haymarket Square, and there was this execution of a bunch of socialists. And I mean, there's there's tons of history there that is not great. But Carl Sandburg's poem is about the things that were great, and I and I want to focus on that. So that's where yeah. that's where the game comes from.
0: I, I would say that that Carl Sandburg's poem um, talks about that, but also doesn't try to hide the negative the negative right. stuff either. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. <clears throat> it's an amazing. I, <clears throat> excuse me it's an amazing it is an amazing poem um and i, I really do like it but i thought well because i spent um i lived in chicago for many years and so i was used so i was just thinking oh wow this is right Right. Uh, so I, I happen to like it um where did you get the idea for the the mechanics of the game because it's what i find interesting about it and for those that haven't played it is 18xx ish sort of kind of but what i really find interesting is sort of the Player determined player worker spots, right? So it there yeah. is a, it is worker placement, but the players determine what worker placement spots come out, which is just to me a really interesting mechanic. Where did that come from?
2: So that that came
0: from Joe Wiggins.
2: So that's not even oh. that's not even my ad. So so <laughs> so for those who don't know, Joe Wiggins is um, I, he ran a podcast called the Deep End Podcast, but he now works for Panda Game Manufacturing, and he's our account representative. Parallel. Um, for panda and panda is this game manufacturer that manufactures pretty much every kickstarter game right um uh and one of the big i would say three manufacturers in the world for this kind of stuff and joe's joe before he started working at panda was a good friend of mine like we would sit together and we would play 18xx we actually met through um clay and capstone game and uh because at the time he was doing some stuff for them and and um and i you know i brought it to his house and uh, I think he was living in Akron at the time and I brought it up there and I said, Hey, you know, let's sit down and play test this. And he goes, Hey, I really like some of the stuff that you're doing, but I'd really like to see like more custom building. I really like to see, and maybe it could do this. And we just kind of vibed and and I took his suggestion and I kind of evolved it into that mechanic. Um, and so I think, you know, that's why Joe, even though he's our account representative with Panda is credited as a game developer in our rulebook because that is a huge mechanical innovation and a huge ad and it it came from him, you know, it's, it's a great, a great little ad to the game. And, um, you know, I'm happy that we included it.
1: The, um, just a, a, one question on it because I I think the two listeners that listen to our podcast probably (laughs) think that, uh, games are a get rich quick scheme, uh, which obviously they're not. Um, how long did it take to develop City of the Big Shoulders? And before I ask that question, which I just have, um, I think it's a magnificent name. I mean, there's so many games out there with just two dice that you roll with names on them, but <laughs> City of the Big Shoulders is fantastic. How long did it take to to from kind of initial idea right through to getting the game published?
2: Sure. So uh, first, thank you for the the phrase on the title i was really strong about that in fact um I, so it's kind of a divisive title uh there's mm. people that love it and there's people that are like i really don't like it and there's kind of nowhere in between okay um and it's funny because we co-published with Quinet. uh when it picked up the game there's like we don't like the title let's change the title okay. and so there was a long negotiation period of like how that's gonna look and what that looks like because i was so attached to the name because it comes from the poem right sure, everything yeah. about the game is is comes from that poem um so so thank you i i love hearing
0: that people like
2: the title because i like the title yeah um, no, I, I
1: think it's the, just so different
2: yeah
0: i love the title because i'm a huge fan of sandberg i'm a huge fan of chicago i've also read uh sandberg's lincoln books also oh so. right
2: well that's a that's a big series of books <laughs> yeah it took me a day maybe two. Oh man <laughs> humble brag <laughs> For that, those who don't know that are listening, uh, the the biography that that Carl Sandberg wrote is like five volumes thick of five hundred. It's like read read Game of Thrones, but just everything about a, a Lincoln's life. That's that's the size <laughs> yeah. of his of his biography. Um, so incredible accomplishment to make it through <laughs> that.
1: Like a lot of the people that listen to this show, apart from our you know, are next to kin um who don't listen to it probably um probably think that gaming is a way of making money and you know it's just like Irish farmers who always complain that they don't have any money and farming is the worst thing in the world and gaming is not a fast way to make money as you everyone seems to know in in that that games. Um how long like and how much work has gone into City of the Big Shoulders from kind of your initial idea right through to the publishing
2: so, uh, great question. So, the reality of game publishing is it is not a money maker. Um, there are some companies that are able to to make good money, and those companies tend to be funded by VCs. So, like Asmodee, for example, is mm-hmm. all about, um, you know, they're they're about kind of. Um, and I'm not I'm not harping on Asmodee. Like, they make great games. They publish great games. They're good, but their 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 approach is as a business. Most people, even as a business, it's very difficult to make money. Um, Timeline for City of the Big Shoulders was about three years. The first initial design of it was six months. I mean, the game was 90% there in six months.
1: Mm -hmm. And then
2: to make a game like that really great, you need a lot of really small tweaks over a long period of time with lots of Mm playtesting. And so I would say about a year was just development just what do we tweak here? Is Is two workers enough or should it be one worker? Is this company balanced with these other companies or does it need to be tweaked and nerfed a little bit or does it need to be boosted a little bit? What kind of story we're we trying to tell? Is this the right story? What kind of information do we put here? What does the iconography look like? Like all those questions have to be answered through playtesting. And and you will get, um, like, if you listen, you will get really great feedback from people but they won't always know how to say it or the right way to say it um but if you read between the lines and you think about it that will help improve your game and so every play test can cause one small little change mm-hmm. and that that takes a long time to to get through yeah. anyways that's we're about two years now wow and at that point we start art production and in the same time of doing art production Um, which you know emily is is working her nights and weekends to produce all of the artwork all of the graphic design for the game that takes a long time to develop and it's a lot of work people underestimate how much work art is and and um and how long that really takes i mean even for a simple game we have a game nemo's island that we're working on right now that the artist has been working on for four months four months and that's a simple card game Mm. right so so while we do art production, we're still doing a little bit of play testing, a little bit of tweaking here and there, trying to line things up, trying to, you know, make sure, you know, is this too powerful? Is this not? Should it be too powerful? Um, and, and we could return to that a question about the expansion later. But but the you know, what do we want to do? And then and then after you're done with that, then you have to prep the Kickstarter campaign. So when you prep the Kickstarter campaign, that's more art. That's marketing. That is a ton of, of research. That's pricing research, shipping mm-hmm. research. That is a ton of effort. And um, I will tell anybody who's thinking about kickstarting a game right now please read Jamie's blog, Jamie Stigmeier's blog. Please buy his book, How to, you know, the Kick Crowdfunder Strategy Guide. Read as much as you can and research as much as you can about it and talk to people. And please, upfront, understand shipping. Because it is the single biggest mistake that people make. Um, I will tell you cost wise, cost structure wise, a third, you know, if I'm thinking about my margin, mm-hmm. um, you know, my cost to print my game is, it, say, my cost is $10. I'm going to expect my shipping to be $10. I'm going to expect unexpected overhead to be $10. And I'm going to expect my marketing cost out of that to be $10. And at that point, that's $40.
0: Yeah. Right? So And that's both and that's before you're paying the artist and everybody else. Yeah. Or after you pay the artist.
2: I I would consider that part of the overhead.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Part of part of the unexpected overhead. Maybe that's an expected expense. But yeah. So that's why people say you should set your margins to be five or six Mm times. But even that is too low. Yeah. Um, you know, setting your margins higher is how you will grow. Um we we with uh our margins in retail sales or direct consumer sales are very high, but our Kickstarter margins are in the sort of break even small profit range. And, you know, people look at it and go, oh, it's $80 game. That's really expensive. Mm-hmm. But because it's so physical, because you have to pay for shipping, you have to think about production, <sighs> yeah. you have all of these other things. By the time you're you're done, you know, I think we make, you know, you know, an eighth of that yeah. um, in actual profit. And then we need to reinvest that into future games. So at the end of the day, this is why I have a day job still. This is why I still am, full, <laughs> have, am fully employed, you know, working as a software developer. And believe it or not, I take money from my retirement. I take money from my from my paycheck every month and I put mm-hmm. it into my business because I want to grow that business. And the hope is, you know, A, I get to make amazing things to share with people. Mm-hmm. B, I get to publish great games that might not otherwise be published. Um, like, for example, we're publishing... Um, Daniel Newman's new game Astrolab, which is Ooh. fantastic, so good. Nice. Um, and um, and you know, I get to hang out with great people like you guys. Like, and and I get to love what I do. And so, me being successful is when I get to quit the day job. When yeah. I get to do this full time, yeah, that is success. You're not going to make a ton of money with this. Um, you may be able to pay your rent um, yeah. if you if you do all the right things and you're
0: lucky. Well, I, I'm just happy, Vic, that I, he he calls me a great guy, and and clearly He's that's just a me. reflection. It's clearly a reflection of him meeting the
1: Ralph, the Commissioner Ralph trophy. It's just well, you know what? Like I I, I still haven't gotten over that. And um, one, one thing on it that you mentioned there was the way you were testing and so on. And actually just as you were saying there about the costs involved and, and I can see Philip twitching at that because he loves the cost is I remember reading a book on camping and they were saying about keeping fire going for the night when you're camping. And they said, yeah. go out, cut down as much timber as you think you will need for the night. And when you are 100% correct, you know, in your mind on how much you've cut down, <laughs> cut three times that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, well, and-
2: in, in the software world, we have we have uh, I think it's called Hofstetter's law, which me which which is um, is it's always going to take longer than you think it is, even mm-hmm. when you take into account Hofstetter's law. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Hofstetter's uh, law is that it's going that to take one. long. Yeah,
1: yeah. One yeah. just on the whole software thing, one thing you were mentioned about playtesting and so on reminds me of like. I used to and still do love real-time strategy games. And I remember I used to read up on the forums about things like StarCraft and so on. And they were talking about adjusting the strength of this unit and so on. The, the actual, how you're talking about testing it and tweaking it and so on seems to be very like uh, like a video game. Did, did you find that your degree helped with um, developing board games?
2: I think it did. Um, I think... Um... You know, game design tabletop game design is definitely different than video game design. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the general idea of tweaking this and trying to find out what's fun and what's not fun is is really important. I think reading about the theory of game design is really important. Mm-hmm. but I also think that it's possible to get bogged down into that. I see a lot of new designers who are so focused on like um, on the theory and the academia and the ludology and honestly, when it comes down to it, you just test and tweak. Um, you know, you change this, yep. you change that. It's and and uh, my recommendation is is small tweaks. You know, don't do big overtures or big mechanical changes. You do mm-hmm. small tweaks. And you know, if something and and there is definitely, I call it the magic feeling. Okay. Like, or and I think um, Gilhova he calls it the wow-o moment or the the o feeling or the wowser. Um, I, I forget how he stated it, but um, Wowzer.
0: It, it was the Wowser feeling. Yeah. He'll, yeah. It's a New Jersey thing. You got to just understand it's a Jersey thing.
2: Oh, OK. So he um, so there's there's a point when you will know. And mm-hmm. um, there's been a lot of games that I've designed, and I think it takes a while until you find it because there's it's sort of this elusive thing. Mm-hmm. And it may not be in the design you're working on now. You might have to design two or three more games to experience that feeling for the first time. Yeah. But once you experience it, you will know it. Mm-hmm. And and um, and then from then on, your job as des- as a designer is to find that magic.
1: Yep.
2: Um, I I'll give you an example. Like, uh, we signed a game, Nemo's Island, by Ed Weddick, who is what we're doing the art production on now. And um, it had when I played it with him. It was a much different sort of game, but it had this wow moment to it. It had this this magic to it that I hadn't seen before um, in the smiles of the pe- people that were playing in this particular type of game. And we tweaked it so much, and it got to a point when that, that moment was lost. It wasn't mm-hmm. there anymore. And I'm sitting there, I'm playtesting, it, and I'm like, people are just, they're not having that fun. They, and I'll ask by, at the end, did you have fun? And people go, oh, yeah, it's good. But you can't I, I didn't feel it mm-hmm. and I didn't see it in them, right? It's it's this magic. And so we we I, I spent a long time redesigning and retweaking parts of it until that came back. And now mm-hmm. that it's back, I'm like, ah, we're there. Let's capture it and let's tweak it and let's bottle that. Um you know, it's it's um have you guys ever heard the term capturing lightning in a bottle? It's it's a sure, lot yes. like that. You
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about for new game designers to, uh, look at, uh, game design, understand game design, look at a bunch of different games. Uh, it's almost akin to what, what do you ask a author? You don't ask them, what are you writing? You ask them, what are you reading? Right. So what, what books or what resources for an aspiring game designer like me, would you say are the, are some of the good books to read? Some of the interesting books to read.
2: Sure. Um, I would say my number one is Rafe Koster's A Theory of Fun, which isn't necessarily mm. about games at all. Um, it's about it's about what what is fun? Like what is what is fun? What makes things fun? Why do mm. we have fun? Like it's it asks these really high level abstract questions and it and it it will it doesn't have the answers, but it will make you think about what those answers are. And that will lead you down to the path of understanding how to find the lightning to bottle. Um, the next book I would say, I'm, I'm just going to give you three. Mm-hmm. So the next mm-hmm. book I will say is the art of interaction design by Chris Crawford. Um, Chris Crawford is famous for his dichotomy of like, what is a game? So there's this whole thing of like, what's the definition of game is game art. Like these are all these things that people discuss endlessly but he came up with a really good dichotomy. I'm not going to go over it. It's in the first chapter of the book. Buy the book. Read it. Um, he's a he's a great game designer. Um, he's done a lot of really great things in the video game industry. And he's worth listening to. Um, the third thing I would say is Characteristics of Games. Is hmm. also one of the best books that I've read on game design and the idea of game. And I'm going to actually add a fourth. Um, and uh, In fact, um, the one of the... The guys behind Characteristics of Games, K. Robert Gutierrez, he worked for uh, Magic Gathering Online. He wrote a paper called Characteristics of Multiplayer Games before he wrote uh, part of that book. And um, that inspired my other game, Corrupted Kingdoms, which originally was red tape because of the political. Uh, he, he goes over like political mm-hmm. behaviors between players and in po- political dynamics of games. It's a really interesting read. Um, if you can buy, find that book, buy it, read it. Great. The last book, fourth book, um, Ian Schreiber and Brenda Breithwaite, I'm sorry, Brenda, I I think I'm mispronouncing your name, and I am so sorry about that, but uh, wrote a book called uh, um, Challenges for Game Mm Designers. And it's a Mm -hmm. book of exercises that is written for people who design video games from the perspective of tabletop. And so there will be a bunch of constraints Around an exercise, and it will say, you know, you're you have one sheet of paper, two dice, and a pen, and you can only use that to design the best game that you can. Go and design it. And here are the rules around what your design should entail. And it and it has it basically puts you through a course of thinking about design. Um, books that I would avoid until you are really really into this, and you just need a reference. There is a reference. Encyclopedia of Game Mechanics that mm-hmm. Game Geek just translated all their mechanics to. That's a really ge- great reference that would be really good if you're like trying to find just something random to put in a game. But when you're getting started, those aren't the things that you need sure. to think about. You need yeah. to think about theme, you need to think about fun, you need to think about story and mm-hmm. let the mechanics follow. Don't get bogged down into cool mechanics. It is a waste of time.
0: Is that the Jeffrey Engelstein yeah. Isaac Shalev book? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I have mine signed by both of them because yeah.
2: it's it, it's a really good book.
0: Yeah, no, it's a really good book, and and I also have the deck of cards. So one things that I'll do yeah. is sort of a, nice. is I'll, wow. t- I, I'll take three cards and I'll put them down and say, All right, let me just play around and try to create a game with these three mechanics just pulled out of out of nowhere. Yeah, I will say that they did, you know, the them signing my them signing the autographing their book. For me was, you know, the price of admission of seeing the uh, Commissioner Ralph trophy, of course. <laughs> <Right. So. laughs>
2: yeah, I, I like you said, that's a, it's a great reference book, but yes, it's, it's not fantastic. a book to help you learn game design.
1: No, no I, I agree yeah. with that. It's like I, a I screw catalog when you want to be a carpenter. <laughs> you know, you don't start right, reading exactly. that. <laughs> and Parallel Games. Interesting name. Uh, you know, all about names. Where did the name come from?
2: Yeah, so uh, so this is where uh, I you know I I did a lot of stuff in the tech startup community. So mm-hmm. there was a point of like six years when I did a lot of like early stage, you know, think Silicon Valley, the HBO show kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but was never successful. <laughs> like, but um, but uh, I I got to a point where our names don't really company names don't matter that much to me mm-hmm. anymore. Like. You know, I've been in so many discussions like, how do we come up with the perfect thing for what we're trying to name? And and um, and so what Emily and I did is we made an Excel spreadsheet and we brainstormed and we threw everything we could at the wall. I think like, God, what Moose Tracks Games was one of them. Um, <laughs> there was there, and we just we just had all these crazy things. And I think at the very end we just put down parallel. And and we went through and we kind of went through one, one by one and we were like, no to that, no to that, no to that, maybe on this one, we don't know. And we get all the way down and we kind of just filtered them down until we got to like three of them and Parallel was still there. And we kind of looked at each other and was like, hmm. You know, everybody does like you know colossal games, or they do you know some you know formal ferret games, or something like that. I love me gill, I love a gill. It's just an example. Um, you know, it you know adjective animal, or you know adjective noun, or something like that. And and we just saw parallel. And I was like, well, you know, that has a lot of really great stuff in it. That's got mm-hmm. parallel worlds, parallel universes, parallel, you know drawing parallels between different things like we're just we started vibing on it you know Mm -hmm. and at the very end we were like okay well let's talk to the attorney and see if it's available right because that's another thing you need to think about when you're creating a company is the name that you want may not be viable if you want to trademark it if you want to protect your brand you need to be unique you need to set yourself aside and so and so we were really worried we're like somebody's got Somebody's yeah. got parallel. Like, mm-hmm. it's such a good name. Who's got it? And we go look it up, and no, not been registered. Nobody's using it. Um, and so we're like, okay, I guess we're parallel now. And, and that's what we went with. And,
0: yeah. I, I thought that was literally, I thought the reason for the name, and I'm glad you told me that it isn't, is I thought, oh, well, he's into 18XX games and train tracks are parallel. Ah, yeah. There you go. Parallel tracks. But yeah. Uh, we we like to ask it because there's been some really interesting stories about how people have chosen names and uh, and and I like that one although I think I still think the best name story behind it is Quackalope. I still think that's the best story <laughs> nice. but it, yeah. it, anyway it's got a long playtime yeah it's a long playtime it's a long story um, what's next for Parallel Games so you've talked about Nemo's I forgot the next thing
2: Sorry. yeah ne- Nemo's Island yep so um, so we have great questions. Um, uh, we have Nemo's Island coming out soon. That is um, it's a treasure hunting exploration game. It's on the complete opposite end of heavy. So, you know, City of Big is a big, heavy game. This is a lightweight family game that you can play in 45 minutes and be done. Um, it is kind of a tableau building, set collection, exploration, treasure hunting game. It's great. It's awesome. I, everybody's going to love it. Um, it's got fantastic artwork by uh, Simone Sicarelli. Ah uh, Simona Sicarelli, she is a fantastic um, children's book author and a fantastic children's book illustrator and it and her art is so unique and it's so amazing and we were really lucky to get her to do the art for us. Um, and then um, uh, we also have Daniel Newman's Astrolab, um, which is currently in uh, a rule book editing and final development stage. Um, we had t- we are talking with Ian O'Toole for the artwork for that. Right. Um, he is, uh, obviously very busy, um, and we're trying to get schedules to lined up, trying to get us placed and all that, but, uh, but that's looking good. Paul Grogan is doing, um, is doing the rule book, um, for that, uh, alongside Daniel. And then, um, we have, uh, the second printing of city of the big shoulders that Emily and I is working, is working on. We're updating the rule book. We are updating, um, some of the graphics we're updating part of the board yes, there will be an upgrade kit. Um, we do not know if we are going to Kickstarter or not with it yet. Uh, we will make an announcement when that's ready. And then we are also building a, a tabletop simulator mod. Um, we are doing a um, both a DLC, official DLC, and a non-official um, working with Xenoxas who did the the non-official mod that we did the takedown request for. Uh, but we did it because it wasn't to our standards and now we're giving him everything he needs to do to make it amazing and awesome. And uh, so we're going to re-release that out there. And then we're also going to be releasing on board game arena as well. So, uh, so lots of good stuff with city. And then we are also working on a promo for a Spielbox magazine. Um, I, I'm sorry, Spielbox people. I know we, um, we've not been great communicators with you. We're going to try to make that better. And then we're also working on an expansion uh, for city. So um, so that's like that's amazingness in a box right there, right? Wow. Um, but we have even more stuff that we're not ready to announce. And it's going to be an amazing next few years, and I think people are going to really dig what we're doing.
0: So one thing that you brought up, you talked, you you talked about working with Paul Grogan, and if there was ever a mantle for a Rubik editor as (laughs) one of the greatest of all time, it would be Paul. Uh, I have a real bro crush, a bromance. I'm sorry, a bromance, (laughs) Bromance. on on (laughs) Paul Grogan's uh, editing skills. But uh, one of the things I will have to compliment you on, and and hopefully this won't make your ego too big, (laughs) is the way you handled Paul. Um, criticisms of City of the Big Shoulder. I mean, I thought it was an yeah. absolute class act, just reaching out to him and say, look, what could we do better? Would you be willing to work with me? And, you know, and, and I know Paul, he's a good guy. Um, he's very earnest and he's very exacting in the type of work that he does. Uh, so I just, I want to compliment you. I, I've oh, not seen you. a lot of people take a, a, that heavy of a criticism and turn it into an incredible positive. And uh it, it does my heart good to hear I, I actually knew that paul was working on on the uh, re-release of the rules so i'm looking forward to seeing how he re- it, it was fine for me because i have enough of a background i didn't have the issues he did um and i'd also had played it previously uh before i had someone had taught me a, a I, I can't remember where i played it but i played it prior to someone someone taught me how to play it so it was fine but um no, I want to. I want to congratulate you on that because it's. It's not hard. It's not easy to take criticism and say, all right, what do I do with it? I mean, what was your thinking behind reaching out to Paul when you heard his uh, his critiques?
2: So I think um, I, I. I will say I think as a game designer, when you play test your game, you're gonna get all kinds of feedback. You're gonna get light feedback. You're gonna get really critical feedback. Um, you're gonna feel like people are attacking your baby when you first get started, and you need to understand. That when people criticize you and they give your feedback, it's not because they hate it. It's because they want to love it, mm-hmm. right? They want to really love what you've done and you've disappointed them in some way, right? And it's your job, it's your job, your career, your purpose as a game designer to make them love it, right? And so when you, when you don't take that criticism to heart um, and you don't respond and turn it into a win, you're failing like you're failing mm-hmm. your job and it and it's really it's really important and it's hard don't get me wrong it is so hard when you're just getting started to let that ego aside and let that go but you need to think of it as a job right your job mm-hmm. is to create fun your job is to make people love what you're doing um and and I will also say particularly with Paul people pay Paul lots of money for his feedback so when Paul gave us his feedback sort of anonymously like we got that for free right Mm -hmm. like he gave us this really like things that people pay a lot of money for he gave it that for free so naturally i'm gonna go reach out to him and i'm gonna be like dude (laughs) i want your help like (laughs) i will pay you too you know and so um and i i think some people are like well you know, I I've had a few people reach out and go, "Well, isn't that a conflict of interest? Like you went out to him." I'm like, "No, not really. Like uh-uh. the dude is is doing his thing and he, a lot of people pay him for this. He's an expert." Like, you know, like of course I'm going to go talk to Paul, you know? And I I it didn't take much, but I was prepared to beg him, honestly. But he was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll do it." You know? Yeah. Um and, you know, because of that, because of that now the second edition, the rule book is so much better, you know? Um, And part of the reason, and I I know a lot of people are like, oh, when can I get it? When can I get it? I really want to buy it. We need to stock in our stores. Um, Please be patient. Like Paul is working his magic. It is a very big rule book. It's a very complicated thing. We're going back and forth constantly. And Emily and I still have full-time jobs. Mm. Um, So it takes a long time. And I'm sorry for the delays. um, But, By the time we're done, it's going to be so good, and you're going to be really happy for it. So stay with us.
0: Yeah, and and also just, and as Vic and I know very well from living across the pond, the the time difference also does add Mm. into the slowness of the response going back and forth. When I used to be on Wall Street, I would work on both French deals and (laughs) Australian deals. And let me tell you, uh, the time lag was just, just kills you so i i, I get yeah. it so uh we're getting to the end of it um one of the nice things about our podcast is we try to keep it uh around 30 to 35 minutes with 45 minutes being kind of our hard limit so that it's an easy podcast to listen to while they're driving to work assuming right. they ever go Fair. back to driving to work we will get
1: there
0: <laughs> yeah. we yeah. uh, well for the for us that don't normally work out of our homes unlike certain people in Ireland I could mention. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are are there any things that we should have asked that you want to tell us that we forgot to ask or we just didn't pick it up on?
2: No man, I'm I'm vibing, man. I, I I'm really happy you brought me on and I'm I love the questions. They're great questions and I, I love talking to you guys. I love talking about the stuff. Yeah. I will say if you are if you're you know if you're thinking about games, I mean obviously if you're listening to to, to Phil and, and, and Vic, you you know all about the, uh, the greatest celebrity in our hobby. But, you know, <laughs> like, you know, come play with me, you know? Like, if you're ever in Columbus, come by and say hi. I try sure. to go to Origins every year. I know this year, you know, things are tough. Next year, things might be tough too. We don't know. But I, I love meeting new people. I love playing games with people. I love hearing about what your favorite games are and why they're so great and you know, I, I will say one last thing. I'm totally going to plug this, by the way.
1: Mm-hmm. Go ahead. For all five of them. All five of them. There's the six now, Philip. I meant to update you on that. We celebrate.
2: <laughs> I I am completely unaffiliated with this project, but it has blown me away. So I'm a big fan of, of uh, story-based role-playing games, particularly old school revival. And um, recently on Kickstarter, there was a Kickstarter for um, a game system called Trophy. And there's uh, already a bunch of people made a ton of different zines and a ton of campaigns for this. And and if you, you guys should check out the Trophy RPG, it is the next thread, the next fiasco. It is so good. It is going to be so hot. And, and you can play it for free today. And I say that as a fan. Mm-hmm. I just want I want to boost this game because it is so good. And I am so happy for it and the people who are around making it. They did such a great job. I really think that if you are into role-playing games, you need to check out this game. Please do. You will not regret it.
0: And the name of the game, again, is Trophy. Mm-hmm.
2: Trophy role-playing game or Trophy RPG.
0: I'll take a look because I,
1: I do play d so okay. that would be well within my worldview. I have to say, for a man that works full-time and obviously the rest of the time, games you know, or, or designs games, you have such a positivity about you you know you're you're just like buoyed up by this whole thing and i would buy a used car from him. i'm not sure about you philip you know you gotta to... no you wouldn't Yeah, <laughs> and it's, uh, i believe him when he told me about a used car but this is this, a uh, this, uh, you know it sounds very hippie but there's a great kind of energy there from you you're you're just so enthusiastic okay. about your games you're you know you you eat, breathe, live it, you know, so, and I respect that. Plus, you're an IT guy, so automatically, and you got Battlestar going on in the background, so, you know, what's not to like. <laughs> there, there, yeah. there I hit you know. all the check marks, right? Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't have come on otherwise, you know.
2: <laughs> I, I feel the same about you guys. Thank you guys so much for having me
1: here. It's oh, been a thanks. blast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's, been, it's been fantastic, and
0: everybody, uh, first of all, Ray, thank you very much for coming on. For those that want to get a hold of me, I can be reached on Twitter, at the at sign board game rabbi i can be reached on instagram at at sign ex wall street guy i know it's a little weird and then lastly you can reach me on the board game group on facebook where i am one of 18 admins vic where can they find you besides the post office wall
1: well um the wanted poster the um uh, that that's expired now they seemingly <laughs> am allowed out again the um You can find me on NaveCon, K-N-A-V-E, Con, if you just Google that. And, you know, I like uh, Raymond so much. I reckon I'll give him a 5% discount if he ever comes to the Con in Ireland. Um, Ooh, 5%. That's more than I get. That's that's big money, man. (laughs) (laughs) And what about yourself, Raymond? We mentioned Parallel Games and so on, but where can people reach you at?
2: Yeah, so you can reach us on uh, Facebook at Parallel Games. Just do a search for Parallel Games. Um, I'm Raymond Chandler III. Uh, just search for that. I tend to friend um, people on there. I will warn you um, on Facebook. I'm friends and family kind of person. So sure. if you if you obviously there's going to be content there that's not related to um, gaming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, politics and things like that. So I just want to warn you ahead of time. If you add me there, you might see some of that. Um, and then uh, uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Raymond Chandler um, mm-hmm. or at Parallel Spiel, S-P-I-E-L on um on Twitter for for our company and on Boardgamegeek I'm uh, Kitsunata you can check out a Boardgamegeek page if you're interested in notifications we're always posting on Facebook always posting on Twitter and always posting on um on um uh, uh, What's the last one? Board Game Geek.
1: Very the most day. important one. The most
0: important one.
1: Sure. Um, I'll shorten that in post-production. Okay. But just on an always be. We're going to end this on our, our expression, which is always be gaming. So
0: Always be gaming.